In this week's episode, we're taking genres and characters, looking at you, Batman, and giving them a very new and very unique twist. Also, who doesn't want a dragon to fly around with? That would be awesome. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B, and thank you, as always, for joining us. Yeah, we're glad Hello. that you're here. We're glad to be in your homes, in your brains. In your cars. Bouncing around in your ear swirlies. Ear tubes. Your, <laughs> your head organs. <laughs> we're in there. We're getting, you can't get us out. We're getting past the wax. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard. David, <laughs> clean your ears, man. But now with a Q-tip, you can cause serious damage doing that. That is true. And don't use those, those like the the candle things. Oh yeah, you've seen those where yeah. they put like the tube in your ear and Suction-y then they ones. put a fire at the end and it's like I heard yeah. those just like tear up. Yeah, your... you can do real damage if you if you have gross, dirty ears, David. Uh, <laughs> go to mm-hmm. a doctor and they have special tools and things that they can do to help remove that earwax yes. and get y'all cleaned up. I'm fully aware. I hate stuff like that, like bodily fluids and <laughs> things like that. And I was sitting there the other day, sitting down pre-stream when I stream on my Twitch channel, Ting Ting Games. I uh, always, I like to have an ASMR period beforehand. Right. Get kind of zen and yeah. in the mood to perform for like four hours. It's a good idea. Uh. And the other day, I'm, like, sitting down. I'm ready to relax. I find a good video. I, like, pull it up. And the ad beforehand is about some, like, earwax remover. (laughs) And it was showing, like, a side-by-side comparison of this, like, special earwax tool. And then someone at a doctor's office with a doctor with, like, tweezers just, like, pulling (laughs) gunk out of the ear. I was like, well, that's ruined. (laughs) Not zen anymore. Well, now I'm feeling horrible. Yeah, yeah. I I had a cheese sandwich I was eating, and I was just like, that's also ruined. (laughs) Done with this. But what is good for your ears is a fun podcast about comics, so let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, comics. First things first, we have Bolero, number one. Uh, This is a prestige format kind of like spined uh book coming from uh wyatt kennedy and luana vecchio uh this book features a woman dealing with massive heartbreak she found the love of her life and that didn't turn out to be what life had in store for her uh she's struggling with the ability to move on she's struggling with dealing with the advice of friends around her and just watching life kind of continue going in a forward motion and she's having issues finding closure. So then she's gifted a key to the multiverse and the opportunity to try again. And this all kind of circles around the question of if you had the opportunity to do it again at the cost of anything, would you? Uh, she has very limited rules, very strict rules that she has to follow jumping through the multiverse but she's given this miraculous opportunity to try again and see what happens t what are your feelings on bolero i really liked this book i started this book a little hesitant because it starts 
very much as a traditional indie romance. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not the cycle of indie book, nice, pretty art, someone dealing with breakup. It's not new territory. I mean, a few months ago, we read Laura by Gia March, Mm -hmm. which was a bad book, but it was just like, yeah, she's dealing with a breakup. That sucks. Or she's dealing with like, heartbreak because it's not necessarily actively a breakup but a heartbreak yeah and that sucks but like okay there's nothing different there's it yeah it just it is what it is like cool okay there's diamond dozen and this one started to go that route and i was like "Mm, but that's so done and then left field within like a page it goes from like standard normal very grounded very like typical to like supernatural right field talking cat chaos and i was like okay you just won me (laughs) i'm i'm here for this now i am interested i'm invested i care i really enjoy capgras like Mm -hmm. there's a cat he talks he's in control of the multiverses and his name is capgras that's amazing that's everything i've ever wanted in a book i i don't i didn't know i needed it now i know that i need it and on (laughs) on that kind of note what i think is really cool about this is that it seems like it's going to be focused very heavily on identity you know what i mean the significance of the person in charge of the multiverse being named capgras yeah uh you know disorder that causes people to think the people in their lives have been replaced by people. Exactly. Um, or have altered in some way. Uh, and just what happens at the end of this book specifically, I, I really think the message of this book, what it's building towards, is going to be about how much of yourself you lose when you're not able to find closure. Yeah. When you have these falling outs with relationships or friends... And then you just sit and stew in hate and heartbreak and sorrow. How much of yourself do you lose by remaining obsessed with, you know, what could have been, what could have been, or obsessed with doing your best to avoid these people or obsessed with, you know, doing anything to harm them, whatever it might be. If you spend so much of this time in hate and sorrow, then you lose yourself along the way. And I think that's what this is. Uh, going for is the the nature of our own self-preservation versus obsession over what could have been what could have been perfect yeah uh what we could have done differently it's a cool message and it's a cool way of delivering that like this person is literally being gifted something that many many people would love oh yeah hey that mistake you made you can redo it now or you can d- experience an entirely new Yeah, you can try it again. World. Yeah, you can be a different you if you're feeling it. And who hasn't, at some point in their life, felt like, man, is this really the me I'm supposed to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? We've exactly. all had low moments where we're like, am I doing enough? Am I trying hard enough? Is the me in another universe in a way better situation than I am here right now? Yeah. And while... That's a drastic option to, you know, just pull the plug and, you know, swirl down the multiversal drain. I'm sure it appeals to people, you know. But at the end of the day, what do you lose of yourself mm-hmm. when you try that? What do you lose of the life that you built, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's very a really cool. cool book. I'm very excited for this book. And I think it'd be a really cathartic book for people that are dealing with similar things. I agree. You know what I mean? So 
uh, definitely worth checking out. Really, really neat. And just a, you know, it's nice to have a romance from time to time. Yeah. Like a nice, dramatic, emotional story. Not something that's all, like, sci-fi and robots. And I mean, I really respect a romance, especially when it can do something different. Yeah. That's what's so key to me, is that, you know, romance is one of the most traditional, long-standing genres yeah. of of you know, art in general. So like, it's important to me that if you're going to do a romance, you need to do it well. And typically to do it well, you need to do something different. Mm -hmm. And I think this book is doing that. Yeah. Next up, we have Aerosmith, uh, by Kurt Busiak and Carlos Pacheco. No, this is not the silk scarf cladden band from the eighties and whatnot. This is not your, uh, your dude looks like a lady type Aerosmith. This no is... Steven Tyler to be found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is A-R-R-O-W Smith. Uh, this features an alternate world uh, during the events of World War One. believe it's World War I. Um, wherein magic exists and magical creatures exist. Uh, we follow a man who is a soldier in the aerial combat unit. Effectively, his unit uses dragons magic and spells to fly and that's what they do it's cool uh <laughs> we're he's part of some bigger conspiracy or bigger plan uh some sort of big you know the higher ups have this big intricate plan that requires a lot of steps including putting him behind enemy lines and stuff like that uh and we just see kind of how he interacts with the world and what gets him from point A to point B of this plan going into uh, fruition. T, what do you think? I freaking loved this book. Okay, here's why. Something that's so important to me is that I feel like so many books, and it's not their fault, I get it, you have like a vision in your head and you have to articulate it, but so many books get so mired down in exposition. Yeah. They get so mired down in explaining this is how this world works and this is how it's different from our world and this is why this makes sense and this is why this makes I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It, as we've had in conversations about Marvel movies, you don't have to justify everything to your audience. Yeah. Just have things exist and we'll go, okay, yeah, these exactly. things exist. We live in a postmodern world, right? Yeah. So, like, we don't need <laughs> – there are concepts of things that we can accept as an audience. Yep. So dragons, no one's going to look at a dragon and be like, what's up with that winged giant fire breathing iguana? You can just have a dragon and people will be like, yeah, oh, neat. Exactly. And, you know, then the things that make your world stand out, you just do visually like they do in this book. Exactly. You're like, oh, here's them casting a spell. Now they're flying. None of this book requires you to mire through any exposition, mm -hmm. mire through any like comparisons to our world. There's no overarching omniscient narrator giving explanations about things it just it is what it is yeah. you can tell because of what they're talking about when it takes place you can tell that this is just how their world works there's yeah. magic you deal with it it's I, harry potter go I, for it yeah you know? i think i think we're at a point specifically with fantasy where you need to it needs to be either it's black and white it's either extreme it's you either just like you're gonna accept what's happening and ride this Move ride on. with me or it's like Tolkien levels of like detail detail. Yeah. You know, agreed. you either go all in on just like tons and tons of detail and family lineages and languages and stuff like that. Like you would get out of like, you know, 
the Ice and Fire series and, you know, Tolkien stuff and whatnot. Uh, or you're just like, you know what trolls are. Here you go. And you that's know? one of the things I really liked about this book is that it actually reminds me a lot of stuff from Mignola because mm-hmm. it's very much it takes place in a very familiar and relatable time period. It has similar events going on. I mean, so much of the Mignola stuff is actually like, look at the Hex Corps dealing with, not like, fighting the Hex Corps who's working with Nazis. Yeah. Like, that's so much of the reason stuff that he's been putting out and his, like, those books have been about. And I, it's great because you immediately understand the circumstances. You immediately understand the environment and the time period and, you know, everything about the situation. And what's interesting and stands out is the magic. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get to focus on without it being like some other thing you have to talk about. And like, yeah. this is a different world. It's not your world. Well, no kidding. It's a comic book. It's not my world. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. And another thing that I liked about this one in particular is that, by doing it and setting it up that, like, it's a realistic type world, they present, like, racism against trolls. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. Because there's racism in our world. So, of course, there's racism in their world. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't there be racism towards, you know, magical creatures? Like, yeah. that seems so so inherent and makes so much sense. So they don't have to explain anything. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. And you And you understand it. And you relate to it. And it's good. <laughs> I just yeah. thought this book was so cool. It's interesting seeing a modernized society with that's like integrated with magic. So magical yeah. creatures exist within the society. You know, they talk about there's troll pubs down the street, mister, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, we utilize magic in various ways. And it's not so much like a Harry Potter thing where the magic world's hidden away, which happens a lot. Right. Like, normal humans can't see the magic. You don't see the vampires. Yeah, and, and stuff it's, like that. it's yeah. you know, it's a fully integrated, but it's also not like, you know, the world knows magic exists, but the British government refuses to acknowledge all magic's banned. Like, we get a lot of those kind of things, yeah. too. But this is like a full integrated... Uh, magical society but they're still prejudice yeah but then and it makes sense with that comes all the other stuff of society where exactly you see people looking down on certain people because of who they are what their culture is what they're capable of you know so it does also kind of relate the society to the darker sides of our own society but it's a well-written book it's really cool it's really unique uh i'm excited to see where it goes it's a very banging first issue. Like a lot of stuff happens. You really get to know the world and the characters without having to have just tons of, you know, this is what London looks like today. And what I think is cool is that in the afterward, they talk about how this is not their first, you know, play in the Aerosmith world. Like mm-hmm. this is not their first experience in this or writing this. Mm-hmm. And so, but it doesn't make you feel like, you're missing anything. I think it was one of the best examples, in my opinion, of presenting a book that people who've read stuff before would be like, oh, yeah, I don't need any explanation. I know exactly what's going on and everything feels great. Yeah. But also people who've never read it before aren't like, why are you referencing this thing that I don't have any idea about? Look at you, Vampire Masquerade. <laughs> um, like, what is all this nonsense that you're talking about that yeah. I have no context for and you're not giving me any context for? It was. It's a nice blend. It's probably the best blend I've seen of yeah. starting up a new book and being like, you have no context, but you don't need it. And you, you have it, lots of fine. context, and so it's moving forward smoothly. Yeah. It was very well done. It's Yeah, it's a cool book. 
this is a cool one. It's a it's a very unique one to see on a landscape that unfortunately is getting really like bogged down with a lot of sameness. Yep. Uh, you know, we've lamented that many times on Kira about how there's a lot of tropes that are happening over and over yeah. and over again. Uh, you know, and it's it's a cool time period. Like World War One is not done enough. It's done a good bit in comics, but it's just not done enough. You yeah, know, I mean, like that time frame is. Mignola likes to handle his Nazis, yeah. so. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. You see a lot of World War II books, and they're fine. You know, there's some good ones. Like, one of my favorites right now is Out from AWA, which is, like, a World War II set horror book. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm not knocking World War II books, no, necessarily. No, uh, all of the minis that have been coming yeah. out from Mignola have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's, like, you know, it's nice to just see a different time period represented, a interesting, unique take on fantasy in general yeah uh, i wasn't aware cool. that it was stuff that's happened before which says something yeah i, th absolutely. I thought it was a fresh concept and i didn't leave feeling like i needed more exactly you know? and that's so. so cool yeah really well done really really cool book <laughs> finally we're going to talk about one from mar of uh, dc excuse me uh we're talking about batman the knight number one chips ahoy fans chips ahoy chips ahoy members <laughs> get Unite. in here <laughs> So this is Chip Zdarsky writing Batman with art by Carmine Di Gian Domenico. Uh, this book is an origin book for Batman. Uh, it explores the early days of... It actually explores more of him pre-being the Dark Knight. Uh, we, see a, we see Bruce as a child, as a you know, teenager, as a young man. Uh, looking to go to college and things like that. Um, that's the time frame that we're looking at here, which honestly is an interesting time frame. It hasn't really been hit on much, but we see this paints kind of a darker picture. We look more at Bruce as a person dealing with trauma mm -hmm. and kind of how he lashes out with that, uh, as opposed to this man who's well-trained and is the best detective in the world right. and things like that. We see the building blocks of getting him to that point. So T thoughts. It's an origin story. And I was like, Oh no, another Batman origin story, but I'm going to make a comparison. That's going to get me in trouble. And I don't care because it's true. <laughs> we treat Batman the way we treat Jesus. <laughs> we yeah. talk about, the very beginning, yeah. and then we talk about when he's already who he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that middle we skip point, a huge chunk of time. That it's middle like point between like yeah. kid and thirty three, nobody talks about. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, and yeah. this book talks about that blank middle space, mm -hmm. and I think that's really cool. What's nice about this book is that you can feel, having read both. You could very much feel the Daredevil influence yeah. on this book. I was going to say, I really like Chip going to these... I, I really like Chip doing superhero books yeah. that are more dark tone. You know, I love his funny stuff and his humorous stuff that he does. Yeah, of course. And, like, his stuff that is both humorous and emotive. But, like, when he does these... these darker tone superhero books he does such a good job isolating these heroes yep. from everything else yep you know absolutely daredevil in the daredevil run is just daredevil he's on the streets it's grimy he's got his knuckles in the dirt uh and that's very much the same thing we see here this isn't a bruce that's wonderfully trained this isn't a bruce that has justice league connections 
you know, this like, is this is just like in Daredevil. This is Bruce dealing with his own neuroses. Yeah. This is him trying to understand and find his own place and re and develop his own identity and find how he belongs in the society that's already built around him. Yep. He's trying to fit in where he belongs. And I think it's really interesting because the parallels between the two books are are subtle, but also very blatant. And I think that's actually really cool um, because I think the emotional vulnerability that you get from Daredevil and Matt Murdock is something we don't always see used on Bruce Wayne. And I think that's awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. there are instances in this book when he's talking with Alfred and he feels guilt. He feels shame. He yeah. feels, you know, being humbled. And it's nice because he doesn't always get that depth. Like so many times we see old Bruce when Alfred's like, you're doing a dumb thing and making a stupid mistake. And Bruce is like, you're Alfred. I'm Batman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. like know your place, Butler. Like there's this like shadiness to him yeah. because he's so cocky and he's so the greatest detective and like, great, cool. But in this instance, we finally get to see him as like a human being. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so important and is a really valuable addition to the Batman story. Yeah. And it's another book, you know, we're having, there is a trend of this happening uh, in modern Batman storytelling. And it seems to be the way that the Robert Pattinson movie is going to go. Uh, but it's another book that's kind of painting a picture of Batman as this is not an adequate way of responding to trauma. No, it's like, not. <laughs> maybe Alfred was right all along, you know, is maybe training and becoming the dude that goes out and gets beat on and also beats on people and puts people in the hospital and throws people in jail isn't the right way to go. Um, I thought it was cool, too, because there's a, you know, one of the kind of, like, expanding things... Uh, that has come up in discussions I've had with people about kind of the weirdness that is Batman is mm -hmm. like, if he really wanted to like be a crime fighter, why would he go through all this extent of like going out into the middle of nowhere, finding the league of assassins, training, whatever, training with whoever he trains with traveling the world and training with the best of everybody and all this right. stuff. Uh, why wouldn't he just become a politician or a lawyer or yeah. a cop. And they make a good point in this one where he actually says at one point that he's thinking about becoming a police officer. And the woman he's talking to is like, you think they're going to let the richest man in Gotham just patrol around be a cop? with a gun attached to his hip? And it's a good point. Like, would the police force allow somebody like that? It's, it's if true. he became a lawyer, would people respect him and give him cases that actually mattered? Or would he only ever be like, handed cases that easy alley-oops yeah you know? you know i mean he has enough money so i guess there's maybe a multiverse where he's a lawyer and just does everything pro bono you know what i mean yeah. but it's how much can you get done in a city that is also basically owned by your family yeah. you know would you get relieved from a bunch of cases because so and so used some wayne tech in the crime you know what i mean so it's it's would he even be able to do those things? It's interesting, too, because you can tell that Alfred is trying to direct him in a very specific way. 
He never says it out loud, but Alfred's obviously trying to say, be a philanthropist. Yeah. Do some, you have all the money. You're one dude. You're yeah. alone. Do something good with this money Dude, that you have. Put some good into the world. Show yeah. that you're, show your parents that you weren't a failure by being a good person and doing good things. Yeah. And he kind of takes the advice and all of the instruction that Alfred gives him and goes the entirely opposite direction. And it sort of just makes you feel bad for Alfred because like he tried. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, Bruce is his boss, so he can only do so much. Yeah, right. I mean, he like he can't look at and be like, "You're a scrub, and yeah. you're doing a bad thing." Because if he pushes too hard, Bruce will just kick him out. Yeah, and that sucks. <laughs> it's true, but this is a—it's a cool take. I—I I really like Chip Zdarsky on these kind of superhero books Agreed. and taking a look. I think we're—we're we're reaching a really cool point in superhero writing where we're getting a lot of people like got all the tom king stuff that's coming out james tinian's really good at kind of putting his own spin we're getting a lot of people that are really good at putting unique spins on superheroes mm -hmm. and yep. i think it's just refreshing yeah. considering the companies are in this weird like we want to reboot but we don't kind of zone you yeah. know what i mean and they want to retell origin stories or like retell stories set in the 90s and stuff like that and that's how we're getting the you know lifetime things they did with marvel where yeah. it was like you see each issue is a different decade and you yeah, see them yeah, in a the more story like, things, yeah, yeah you see them in a very different perspective because yeah. it's more time accurate and it's cool yeah so it's it's really neat that a lot of we're in a cool zone even though there's obviously problems with how the main companies dc and marvel are handling their releases and stuff they're pumping right. out a ton of stuff and it's yeah. really saturating the market but we have a lot of creators that have very unique ways of telling superhero stories. Very interesting voices. You know, Al Ewing has his own very unique way. Donny Cates has his very unique way. So it's a cool time to be reading superhero stuff. Um, Marika Tamaki. Yeah, Marika Tamaki. Uh, Teeny Howard has yeah. her very unique way of telling stories. And it's just, it's giving us a lot of opportunities. And there's plenty of others. I just yeah. haven't mentioned just, any of them. We're just throwing um, out some that come to mind yeah. immediately. Uh, we're it's refreshing it's yes. nice having not a lot of the just samity and there's still plenty samity right. you know but there's a lot of more lot more mainstream talent that's pumping out really unique takes on things i agree you know we were gifted immortal hulk and we were gifted uh you know everything donny cates has done uh <laughs> You know, we were gifted all the death metal stuff and it's all been cool and weird and at times very weird, but it's, <laughs> it's unique. And I think Chips really found his voice in being able to do these kind of more like closed off from the rest of the big bombastic stuff. Very humanized. Yeah. Very humanized superhero stories. So this one's good. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's a cool period for Batman. So it very is. interested to see how he swings it. So. That's going to do it for us. Yes. If you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find them on our website, coverbpodcast.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Get out there and have some fun. Be kind to one another. Uh, I, as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Yep. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.